he beat the Chiefs. Oh. Um, okay, so we'll beat the Patriots edition of the Miami Dolphins In-Depth podcast featuring caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, me, and papa star of the show, Adam Beasley. Adam Beasley, say something insightful and amazing. Well, you are mostly right. The Dolphins did beat the Chiefs in the point spread. They They covered thanks to their late field goal by Jason Sanders, which wasn't anywhere near the worst beat of the season in the NFL, which was last night. Did you see that just disaster last night? All right, so let me – full full disclosure, I'm not a gambler. Uh, but – but and I don't – you know, I went to Las Vegas one time in my life. I spent $10 gambling. So <laughs> now you understand that I am not a gambler. But even I understood what a terrible beat that was last night between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. It's, uh, if you had large sums of money on that, uh, you probably are hating life <laughs> and, and everyone you come in contact with today because uh, the line was three and a half and the final score was 47-42 only because of a uh, Ravens safety on the last play of the game when the Browns were throwing the ball all over the field like their own Miami Miracle. But there are no miracles in Northeast Ohio, uh, Armando. It's a depressing, sad place. So, Wow. Beezer. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I say that with a degree of, uh, of experience, too. I've spent way too much time in that place. So let's just say I'm happy I ended up in South Florida, Armando. That's, that's amazing. You know, um, so Jarvis Landry – <laughs> was the guy that ultimately cost everybody money, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 because uh, they kept doing this pitch back and pitch back, and all of a sudden you're at the uh, the end line, the very end of the end zone, and he had nowhere to go, so he just chucked it up, and, and, and it was a safety. So not good if you had the, uh, the, the, the Browns and the points – or, yeah, the Browns and the points last night. If you had that, you're, uh, you're a loser. And so do the Miami Dolphins wish they had – Jarvis Landry this week. You know, that is why you are a trained broadcast professional with a Hall of Fame vote, because you make just expert professional segues like that. And the short answer is, hell yeah, they missed Jarvis Landry this week because he has more than 10 career catches. You know, you were uh, you were talking and we were talking. By the way, uh, faithful listeners, our conversations are as follows. Beasley talks, Armando listens. And so, and so that's the way it always goes. That's the way it always is. Beasley and I were talking, meaning he was talking, uh, be- before the start of the show, and he was explaining what the Dolphins' offense might look like against the New England Patriots on Sunday. And it was – I wanted to drink hemlock while he was just driving it. Go ahead, Beasley. Well, at wide receiver, you have two converted college quarterbacks who are rookies. Uh, you have an XFL dropout, Antonio Callaway, and you have a uh, probably your number three receiver on Sunday will be a guy that you thought so little of a month and a half ago. You traded him away for a bag of baseballs, and the team that acquired him thought even less of him 
and they cut him outright, and he's back on the Dolphins now, and that's Isaiah Ford. So those are the weapons uh, that, that will be at Tua Tungabailoa's disposal to, to, to fight to the death with the New England Patriots. So we don't expect Jakeem Grant to play against the Patriots. What about Devontae Parker? Uh, he is more likely than Jakeem, but it's not a sure thing. They're both dealing with some hamstring issues. My understanding is Devontae's is more is better than Jakeem's, and they're more optimistic. Uh, but, I mean, Devontae's missed games in the past for soft tissue issues, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he, he does again. And, and your reporting was excellent. I think the least likely of the three guys that got hurt on Sunday is whom? That would be tight end Mike Kosicki, who leads the team in touchdown catches uh, because he's dealing with a shoulder injury. And I'll be honest with you, I, I have not gone back to the well on that one but because uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to play. It would be a, a stunning, stunning surprise if he can uh, rally and play in this game. I think he's going to miss this game. I think the Dolphins are going to miss him. It's a disaster! <laughs> well, uh, continuing the trend of a Dolphins' uh, uh, land of misfit toys offensive weapons, uh, their number one tight end on Sunday might be the guy the Bears gave up on for, for, for a bag of baseballs in training camp, and that's Adam Shaheen. That is true. Um, you know, Adam Shaheen is a high draft pick. He was a bust with the Bears, but he's been good enough here, and he'll have to be good on Sunday against the New England Patriots, who, by the way, uh, they're not exactly world beaters. They're not all that good. No. Well, first of all, Shaheen, the Dolphins saw enough of him, not only a trade for him, but they've since given him a contract, too. So uh, it, might be it might be time for, for, for Shaheen to pay it forward, especially uh, if Kosicki's if out for an extended period of time. And here's the thing, Armando, there really is no extended period of time. What is today? We are taping this on, G on December 15th. Um, and three weeks from today, we will either be getting ready for the big matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers at Three Rivers, or we will be talking about what changes are going to be made to the offensive and defensive coaching staffs in the offseason. That's how close we are to the end here. Name the Three Rivers. Go. Uh, the Allegheny, the Ohio, and is it the Mahongahela? I thought it was the Monongahela, but that's okay. I don't know. There's, I wasn't born in this country. Don't worry about it. I was actually born in that state, and I don't know. I certainly couldn't spell it, but those are the uh, a confluence is what they call it, right? The confluence of the three rivers? Yes, absolutely. Um, so here I want to ask you the following question, and I expect a non-political answer. You ready? Okay. You ready? Okay. Chan Gailey as the Dolphins' offensive coordinator is graded out so far as what? Oh, oh, Armando. I don't want to rip the guy because I don't think he's done a terrible job, but I also expected more. And now the rest of the season is just survival because they're so banged up. Um, if you, Here's how I would grade it, like I would grade most of the season. If you see them as developing and in position in 2021 to win at a high level, and in, in his case because of the quarterback, then I think you give him like a B. If you do it just purely on performance, it's got to be a C minus uh, because they are bottom 10. I, I, I put it on Twitter. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're bottom 10 in basically every offensive category except maybe like goal to go, red zone, fourth down conversions. 
uh, things like that. But they're bad in rushing. They're not particularly good in passing. Uh, they haven't turned the ball over that very much since since Tua took over, which is helpful. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think if you're grading purely on how the offense has performed, I don't know if you can give them anything higher than a C. I was, I was at borderline apoplectic uh, the other day when they had a um, – a situation where Austin Jackson goes out of the game with an injury. They're backed up to the shadow of their end zone. And they ask Tua Tungamailoa to throw out of his end zone with a, you know, in an obvious passing situation, in a situation where your offensive line that was already diminished by injury coming into the game now doesn't have its left tackle. And, of course, they give up the sack and not just the sack the safety, and I'm thinking, can you not just, like, run wide or something? Just don't hurt yourself? What What the heck are you doing, Jan Gailey? Yeah, I have to go back. There were so many twists and turns in that game uh, that that I forgot about. I have to go back, and all right, so they had uh, first and second and 12 at the six. Oh, I mean, Tua held the ball, too. Let's not kid ourselves. He did hold the ball. Uh, but if you're going to throw the ball uh, four yards deep in the end zone, it's got to be all fast, right? Absolutely. And by the way, yes, Tua held the ball. You know why? He's a rookie. You know who should know this? Chan Gailey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean... You're at, a, you're at a loss for words today. Well, <laughs> one of the mantras of this coaching staff is we've got to put these players in a position to succeed. And in that moment, the, Chan Gailey put his offense in a position to fail. Knowing the personnel, knowing who's back there, it's not, you know, BFF Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's the rookie. And you have to know this stuff. And not only that, I mean, Chris Jones was the one who sacked him, and he is one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. So, yeah, you've got to know the personnel you're facing as well. And and I believe the guy who gave up the sack was, you know, Kinley, correct? Uh, I, I am watching it now, and I think it's uh, – there, there, there there's a lot of blame to go along around, but it looks like it might have been a stunt. So, yes, Kinley was the last, uh, was the last offensive player that had a shot at him. Right, and so he's a rookie, correct? Yes. <laughs> know your personnel. <laughs> and, all right, we've spent too much time on that one play. But there's been multiple times that I just go, I, I don't understand. So, and the last thing I don't understand about this offense is every time I watch them go up-tempo, hurry-up style, it works. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that they were going to try it some against the Chiefs because they tried it some against the Cincinnati Bengals, and it worked. And then they tried it against the Chiefs, and it worked. But, I mean, do you have to have it spelled out? This is working. Use this. It's working. No? Am I wrong? Well, I mean, they're, they're... yes, I agree. Uh, but I don't think they wanted to play a track meet with the Chiefs. I think they wanted to be able to control the ball more and keep Mahomes off the field. What, uh, to me, the broader issue is this, Armando. If you are at home with – your season's not on the line, but it's, there's a lot at stake, 
and your defense gives you the ball four times with turnovers against a team that never turns the ball over, how at any point in that game are you down 20 points? It's amazing. Well, one of the turnovers resulted in like zero points because they didn't move the ball, and then Jason Sanders missed the field goal. Mm-hmm. So there was there was that. So there there goes that turnover opportunity. Um, I do believe there was another turnover, and again, it, it, they didn't capitalize, didn't move the ball, and three and out, and you're done. It, they didn't hurt them. It didn't hurt the Chiefs enough. You didn't scar them up enough to 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 make the, the turnovers worthwhile to yourself. And yeah. I know you. I'm sorry. You you you, you did in fact prevent some points because that Xavier Howard interception in the end zone was amazing. But still, you need to make turnovers into points for yourself. Yeah, I, I think the fact that uh, they they let the Chiefs hang around, you kind of knew how it was going to end. Um, you can blame the you know the the, the the injuries, and certainly that didn't help. But they need wholesale changes to offense. I I, I think I, I think it's kind of we're, we're learning the truth about this team with each week, and that is this: it was this rebuild was going to take three years. And we're in year two, right? They to- uh, Two years ago next month, they totally tore it down. Uh, and they spent 2019 starting to rebuild. 2020 is when they kicked it in the hyperdrive. 2021 is when they need to finish the job. And by finishing the job, is they ha- they're going to have four picks in the top 60, maybe in the top 50. Three of those four picks have to be on the offensive side of the ball. They have to, make- they have to significantly upgrade the offense. Well, I think um, wide receiver. <laughs> wide receiver? You think wide receiver? Yeah, wide receiver, running back. Uh, I, I think they're going to use a relatively high pick on a running back as well because the last two years they tried to get by with smoke and mirrors and, oh, we can – you know, the system makes the running back. Their system isn't good enough to make the running back, right? I mean, if, if these are the offensive linemen they're going to largely roll with in 2021, they're going to need a running back who breaks tackles and a, and a guy that creates on his own. And they don't have that in the roster right now. When we come back on the other side of the break, uh, we will discuss the defense because it's playing pretty well, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know anything. I've only, you know, been covering the thing for 30 years. Um, so, So we'll get right back after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So star of the show, Adam Beasley. 
The Miami Dolphins gave up, or was it, 33 points last week? Did the defense play well or poorly? Yeah, it's crazy. They gave up over 30 points. They gave up over 400 yards. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went for, what was it, like 350 or something, maybe 396. Okay, substantially more than 350. Uh, And I I can't fault them at all. I cannot fault them at all because – they, the defense, in truth, gave up 24 points. Uh, the Dolphins' special teams gave up seven points, and the Dolphins' offense gave up two points. So if, if you're holding the if, – if, if your job is to keep the Chiefs to 24 points, you did your job. And that's, that's a good day at the office for a Dolphins' defense against a team that's by far the best offense in the league. I mean, by far. So, yes, I think they did their job. I think they were left on the field – way, way too long in the third quarter. I hate the term complimentary football because I think it's a cop-out. What it really says is don't hang me out to dry offense when I do well on defense, and, and that's what happened. You, <laughs> the, the defense kept giving the ball back to the offense, and the offense turned around and kept giving the ball back to the Chiefs. And, and, and I do believe with four turnovers, with a 30-yard sack, with a forced fumble or two, um, and with a chance to win the game uh, in late in the fourth quarter, uh, with as little as they got from their offense, you have to tip your cap to the defense. Um, what What is Josh Boyer, defensive coordinator Josh Boyer's favorite word, Adam? Uh, well, he doesn't like very many because we ask him questions. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, he likes a lot, actually. He talks a lot and says very little. But there's one word. It's like I, I go into the Zoom conference calls with with him knowing that that one word will come out within the span of I don't know a minute and it starts with an M well he says a lot uh, it's on it's on me it's on us we have to get better but what's the M word multiple oh multiple yes, M- multiple. yes. <laughs> it's like all he talks about is guys who are multiple they're multiple I want to see some dividers I want to see some <laughs> Some uh, adders and some detractors. I, I want to see guys doing, you know, cosine and tangents. I want to see those guys. But so the one guy that he loves more than anybody who is multiple, multiple, multiple is Kyle Van Noy, correct? He does like him some Kyle Van Noy. Has Kyle Van Noy had a good year? Oh, God. Man, you keep putting me on the spot. For $13.5 million, no. I mean, he's been fine. He's been a solid player. He's, he's kept the defense together, but although I think they played pretty well without him last week. But has he been worth $13 million? That's how I judge him. I'd say no. Yeah, so it, it struck me during the game last week, Kyle Van Noy wasn't able to practice most of the week, and but he was still surprisingly inactive for the game. And I get it, you know, guys are beat up. That's that's not the issue. The issue was during the game, there wasn't a moment where I said to myself, wow, they miss Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy would have made a difference at that play. Or it was, I didn't feel like it was a big void. And that's a problem. Well, here's the reason why. He doesn't run like, Jerome Baker runs. I mean, Jerome Baker is a fast linebacker. Kyle Van Noy, that's not his game. He gets by with strength and smarts and 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 and, and, and discipline and, and 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 a motor and all those you know buzzwords they use in New England. 
but he's not he's not a runner like Jerome Baker is, and you need runners against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'd be curious as to how much he would have played even if he was available because do you want him in coverage of Travis Kelsey? Do you want him in coverage of Le'Veon Bell? Do you want him to to help out in zone against those wide receivers they have? Uh, that, that, that to me is a losing proposition. So I think this is the week they really need him because the, the, the Patriots are not the Chiefs, and that's very easy to say, but it's true on offense. They, are, they couldn't be more different than the Chiefs uh, on offense. The, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the Chiefs are American Pharaoh, and um, the Patriots on offense are the donkey from Shrek. Okay, that's 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 the two. That's the difference. And and wow. Kyle, and Kyle Van Noy is a lot better wrangling donkeys than he is chasing, chasing thoroughbreds. Eddie Murphy's pissed off at you now. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Murphy's going, "What you talking about?" I mean, Eddie Murphy, man, it's Eddie Murphy. You're really lo- Eddie Murphy. I love of the comparison that the, the, the fictitious cartoon donkey is the one whose feelings should be hurt, and not the six-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> uh, you, know, I mean, you know, all I can say is it's Eddie Murphy. So <laughs> you, you don't mess with Gumby. Um, so, <laughs> so do you do you do you like that analogy though? No, that's an amazing analogy. I hope to see it in print, like, very soon this week. I'm going to look for it every day. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. If Kyle Vannoy, who doesn't like talking to us, actually talks to us this week, I was like, Kyle, have you ever wrestled a donkey? <laughs> <laughs> he has, actually, in the first game of the season, and the Patriots ran for, like, 217 yards. Yeah. So, and here's another thing. Um, did they get out coached in that game? They being the Dolphins, absolutely. So this is like the coaching staff revenge game. Yes, absolutely. Uh, here's what you would have to hope: the since that point, the Dolphins have gotten better, and since that point, the Patriots have gotten worse. That's what you have to hope. Now the question is: Does Cam have a little bit of magic left? And does Belichick? I mean, look, I don't think we can understate this, Armando. This game this weekend could be the official last nail in the coffin of the Patriots' dynasty. I mean, they haven't missed the playoffs since 2008 when Brady got hurt. So if the Dolphins beat the Patriots on Sunday, they're out. That is it. They have been eliminated from the postseason for the first time um, since I was – where was I 12 years ago? I guess I was still on the Miami Herald staff, but I I certainly was on the Miami Dolphins beat. Uh, that's what's at stake for the Patriots. And you hear this, and it's a cliche, but I think it's a cliche, it's true. There's nothing harder to do than eliminate a champion, to, to be the team that finally knocks them out. And, and the, the Dolphins, that's their task, because uh, as I wrote about yesterday uh, in the Herald, uh, the Dolphins cannot afford to lose on Sunday. Uh, I, it's not technically a must-win, but it's a you better, it's a you better win, or you're going to have to have about 17 things go right for you that probably won't go right. So it's this is I mean this is a huge game this weekend. It's an enormous game, and you mentioned the coaching staff. There's nobody knows Brian Flores better than Bill Belichick, and you can be sure he's going to be ready for him. It's interesting, and you raised a couple of interesting uh, nuggets there. One of which is, and it goes back to the game everybody watched last night, Monday night. 
the Ravens, if you look at their schedule going forward, they they won their hardest game of the last four that they will play. The next three, I, I got to look it up, but I know yes. that it's super easy unless you know off the top of your head. I do. The three opponents they have remaining have a 218 winning percentage. 218 is a bad batting average. It is a horrendous winning percentage. So those, that's the quality of opponents they have. They have the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have the New York Giants, and they have the Cincinnati Bengals. That's how they close their season. Oh. So they could very easily win out. They could very easily finish 11-5. and five. Correct. The good news for the Dolphins is this. If the Dolphins win their last three games, it doesn't matter what the Ravens do. They're going right. to get in. So they, whatever you want to call it, control their own destiny. That the Dolphins, they, they, if, if they, if they take care of business, they will be in the playoffs. The problem with this, Armando, is it's really hard to take care of business against you know the 13-time defending AFC East champions or whatever it is. Uh, winning in Vegas all, the day after Christmas against a team that will likewise be fighting for its playoff lives, and then going to Buffalo two days after New Year's when it should be 10 below. Uh, and if the if the Bills are still fighting for the number two seed, which we don't know if they're going to try for that or not, but if they are, they're not going to cut the Dolphins any slack. Um, a case could be made that the Dolphins' path to get to the playoffs would be harder than navigating the NFC playoffs. Because if you're like the two seed in the NFC, you're not going to face three teams as good as the Dolphins are going to play to finish the season. It's really, really tough. So can the Dolphins make the playoffs? Yes, I would say it's about a one in five chance at this point. Very astute of you to, to mention the fact that the Buffalo Bills, if it's a big caveat, if they're still fighting for something, because this year, home fighting for home field advantage in the playoffs doesn't mean the same as what it's meant in the past, because there just is no home crowd advantage whatsoever anywhere you go. Um, and then number two is the Bills have a history of laying off furloughing guys the final game <laughs> of the year when they don't, you know, when they don't really think that it's that big a deal, whatever is going to happen. Last year, they could have played for a higher seed, and yet they didn't. They they had, I would say, 40, 40% of their starters either healthy scratches or out of the game by the first quarter. And so I think that that is what they are and what, you know, they see as the way to handle the end of the season. Uh, I, I, those are all great points. The question is this. Uh, would potentially hosting the Steelers as opposed to traveling the Steelers in a divisional round of the playoffs be worth putting your quarterback at risk against a Dolphins team if that's what the stakes are, has everything to play for, and, oh, yeah, has a pretty aggressive head coach and defensive coordinator and is going to come at that quarterback almost every single down. Will that be will, – will the, will, will the juice be worth the squeeze, so to speak? And we don't know. We don't know how it will play out. The Dolphins have to, obviously have to take care of some business before we get to that, though. Uh, absolutely, including this week. And I'm going to make a prediction. What do you think Ooh, about that? I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. So I mentioned earlier how – um, in the first meeting this year, I thought that Bill Belichick and his coaching staff outcoached the Dolphins, Brian Flores and his coaching staff, and it was obvious. I mean, 
It was so obvious that a knucklehead like me could figure it out. <laughs> so, so, so it was obvious. It, that, it, you know, if it's obvious, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> you know, the Dolphins weren't adjusting. They weren't communicating well. They didn't. It took them a while. They came back at halftime and they still had the same problems, and it just wasn't working. So there was that. I am predicting that the tables will be turned on, on Sunday, and Belichick will have it handed to him by Brian Flores and staff. What do you think about that? I think that is among the many smart things you've said in the last half hour, the smartest. Uh, I think the Dolphins win, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close uh, on, on Sunday. I think Tua, we are seeing him grow in leaps and bounds. I think he's going to take another step forward this week, even with limited offense. And I think the defense is going to play their best game of the season. Uh, we know that they're salty over how that opener went. They had a players-only players, players only meeting to assess the run game uh, not long after that game. And it's been better since. It hasn't been great, but it's been better. And we're, I'm going to get you out of here on this stat, Armando. Uh, since 1988, and I was definitely a young pup then, 32 years – in 32 years – the, uh, the, the Patriots have come to Miami uh, in either December or January 11 times. Since 1988, the Patriots have won a December or January game in South Florida a total of three times. The Dolphins owned them down here late in the season, and that streak is going to continue. Well, it's lunchtime, and Beasley has just served up a nugget. So <laughs> thank you very much for that nugget, Adam Beasley. I'm going to go chew on it. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. Join us again next week as we continue down the playoff stretch we come. We're American Pharaoh, and we're going to watch Eddie Murphy the donkey. They're playing Eddie Murphy the donkey this week, according to Adam Beasley. See you next week. <laughs>